Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're so glad to have you here today, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review. When you finish listening to this episode, or you can just pause and knock it out right now, we would love that. It helps other people find the podcast, and we love to read those because it helps us get better. It helps us tackle topics that you want us to tackle. It also lets us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, We do this as a service to you hoping to encourage you and to challenge you local church student ministry leader. So uh, let us know what you think and how we can continue to improve in doing that. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, and I'm here with the one and only producer, Nathan. What's up? We've uh, Nathan, we've got a great one today that I think is going to be really, really insightful uh, as we jump into this episode. And I want to introduce you to E. Bonesteel. She is the edit- editorial coordinator for the communications department at Lifeway. She's lived on mission in Madrid, Spain for six years, currently resides in Middle Tennessee, has four kids. She was a youth director uh, in a small ethnic minority church, has an MDiv from Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, uh, enjoys duct taping kids to the wall, which is always a good thing in student ministry. So two thumbs up there. And this fall, all four of her kids are going to be in the student ministry. So E, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for making the time to join us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So one of the things that we were mentioning right before we kind of pressed record here uh, and student pastors and leaders that are listening to this, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this conversation is because we get to have a conversation with somebody who has a multifaceted perspective on student ministry. So somebody who has led in student ministry, somebody who has children in the student ministry. So from a parent perspective, and you recently have started volunteering in student ministry at your church, right? Correct. Yeah. So this is, uh, I'm super excited about this. And the topic of our conversation today is you jumping in and beginning that volunteering process. And in this moment, as we record this, this time of the year, often is when new student ministry volunteers or leaders begin the very same process that you're on. Not all of them may have kids in the student ministry and not all of them may have former experience in leading student ministry, but here you are, you're about to begin volunteering. And I want to have a conversation with you from the perspective of a brand new volunteer based around what student pastors need to tell you, what student pastors need to make you aware of as a new volunteer stepping into this. So let's begin right here with expectations. I think anytime we can have clear expectations, it sets everybody up to win. So as you are entering in from a new volunteer's perspective, what expectations do you need the student pastor to set up and communicate with you? That's a great question, Ben, because as parents, we have um, a limited number of time in our day. And so we're always trying to figure out how to use that wisely. For parents, some ministries require following your kids or the, the students from seventh grade to 12th grade. And that's that's a long commitment for, for some parents. So if that's what what's desired, then it's it's not a big possibility for many parents. But try to find a reasonable time frame for us, like whether it's one or three years, one to four years, and um, help us to be able to commit to those things without having to um, commit to like a seven or 10 year process. 
So that's that's really hard. And there's a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be the, the student leader of the group. There's lots of different ways that you can involve parents um, in short-term ways as well as long-term ways. Another thing is an expectation of give me a position that's appropriate for me, uh, whether it's a team leader or a greeter or security. You know, some people, yeah, can follow, can serve for for a long period of time and others just want like periodic times to serve. So know your, know your parent, know your volunteers and let them serve in the appropriate um, skills and gifts that they have. And then one of the other things is, is give me a general job description. Sometimes, sometimes we, we just volunteer and then some youth pastors may say, okay, that's great. And we don't hear from what is expected in terms of just a list of tasks. Of course, it's not going to be everything, but we, we'd like to know what we're getting into without having like any type of switcheroo in, in the process. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm hearing expectations about the, like the tenure, the, how long you're expected to. Correct. <laughs> you're right. Like if you come in and it's, Hey, we've, you know, your child is a sixth grader, they're coming up and we'd love to have you until they graduate. That, right. can, that can be kind of a stunning <laughs> first entry into student ministry. Exactly. And then also the last thing that you mentioned was just expectations around the role itself, like the very tactical, here is exactly what a win looks like for what I'm asking you to do. Yes. So as you think about that, um, let's talk about training and how, uh, what's the expectation that you would have uh, about training for the role that someone has put you in again. And I love what you mentioned about, there are many different types of roles that somebody can serve in the student ministry. And it doesn't always have to be like the group leader mm-hmm. or something like that, that there are a lot of different things that, that can be done. But I think training is still an essential component in all of those roles. So what is in your mind as again, as somebody who has led in student ministry and as a parent who has four kids in student ministry and now as a brand new volunteer and leading, what is training, the expectation of training that you have? Yeah, especially for a small group leader, just general small group leadership tools. Um, some parents just don't have that that experience in the past to say, you know, how do, how do I not get on rabbit trails when kids are talking or how do I acknowledge, you know, the talkative person in a group, but give everybody else opportunities to speak? Or how do I stay connected throughout the week? You know, these are some things that we kind of assume parents may know, but not every parent may know that. So some parents will want that type of training, whether it's on, you know, a quarterly basis or like one, you know, a weekend, uh, whatever tools you guys can give us, we, we want to do an excellent job as parents volunteering for you guys. And however you can train us would be great. Another one that I don't think a lot of people think about is, is remind me of the security rules. Sometimes, you know, to protect me and the student, sometimes people don't realize that, okay, don't, don't be in your home alone, you know, like be at church or in a public place. Um, just general wisdom like that, that we don't think about because, you know, perhaps we're thinking the best of everyone, but just as an adult with minors, um, those are great things to think about as well as uh, just along, along those lines, really train me on signs of distress. Like some parents Mm. don't, uh, recently I got into a class of uh, suicide prevention um, training and just being able to, to be aware of the markers and the signs of depression or suicide, or even like abuse or hunger in the home. Those are things that 
you know, whether you're in an urban area or even, you know, a suburban area, sometimes we don't think about. And if we're not trained in that, we can miss it really easily. And that's super important for the health of, of a child, whether it's, you know, spiritual, physical, and mental. So those are the things I think about often when I think about kids and ministry. And in general, for me, it's really giving me a big picture of what God is doing and can do. I think it's easy for us as volunteers to think, yeah, we're just helping in or we're, we're babysitting or we're just training these group of kids. But even beyond that, you know, give us permission to, to get to know the other kids in the ministry, to be a role model for them, as well as look in our community for opportunities to reach unchurched kids. You know, I'm driving down the road and, you know, I see a rundown apartment complex and I wonder, oh, I wonder, I wonder if these kids, the youth here need a ride to, to youth group. Because mm-hmm. we, we, we don't think when kids don't have rides, we just sometimes say, oh, well, and not think that there's just kids that just are in lower income families or only have one car. And uh, this is a great way to involve other parents as well to get them like figure out a ride share for kids in, in more um, impoverished areas or urban areas that might not have a ride to, to youth group. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, there are a lot of things that you mentioned in there. I want to pick out a couple of them because as you even talked about it, you had mentioned hey, these things are things that don't get talked a whole lot about, but we need to be reminded of them. And that is like the safety and security, the, mm-hmm. the churches, you know, the child protection policies or whatever your church has named for that. Right. Uh, those are things that need to be in front of people all the time, the consistent reminder. And then uh, you mentioned that you had attended a, a suicide prevention or uh, mm-hmm. some type of class that prepared you to be able to have some of those kinds of conversations. And I think that's so important for student pastors to remember, because many times we we do a good job at training, like how to be a greeter, how to be a small group leader, but there's not a lot of training on the more difficult emotional issues that so many teenagers deal with. Oh, definitely. And, and to pass those resources on to leaders. And I think part of it might be uh, the reason it's not talked about a lot is because there are probably not a lot of student pastors who feel like experts in those areas. Right. But I, I want to encourage you as you, as you listen to this student ministry, people, you don't have to be an expert in all things. You can link up your leaders to resources from experts that will equip all of you together to deal with some of these really sensitive emotional issues that have been around student ministry for a long time and are going to continue to be around student ministry going into the future. Yeah. I mean, there's so many resources out there, even, even links to videos or your city. Um, yeah, that's where I took the suicide prevention class through, through the city uh, police department. And mm-hmm. such a such a blessing. And, and it's not like you have to be a social worker. You have to have like a psychological or a psychology degree. Um, we can all kind of be aware, have our ears open, our eyes open to markers. Um, and, and it might not be the case, but at least we can kind of keep our eyes open. So as you uh, as you get ready to start this, uh, just out of curiosity, like you have four kids in the student ministry. What are some of the things that made you say, Hey, now it's time for me to start serving. And like, what are the things that made you want to jump in and serve in student ministry? And the reason why I asked that question is I think that that too will help student pastors kind of think of 
places in their church where they can go and recruit or talk to people or the kinds of conversations that can help take help someone take the next step because mm-hmm. there's something universally true I think about student ministry and it's that student pastors always need more volunteers. <laughs> so, right. so how did you uh, start doing this and what were some of the things that uh, God was doing in your heart to say, okay, now it's time for me to jump in here. Right. Um, uh, uh, a year ago, I, I already started helping with just minor things because, because I work full time. So I thought maybe I can just help with the greeting. And so I was doing that for, for a while. And, and part of me was, I, I kind of like kids. I like teens. I like, <laughs> I like the, the rowdiness of them and the, the hearts that can still be molded, the minds that can still be molded into to, to thinking the way that God wants us to think. Um, sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder as well, but there's a, a heart growing, a, a, a child growing into an adult in those preteen and teen years mm. that really um, resonate with me. And, and, and there's an opportunity there. There's a big opportunity there to really reach this next generation. Um, and I think especially for, you know, ethnic minorities, um, such as myself, um, there needs to be more representation as well with, with diversity, help people, you know, if I'm the only one, you know, because, because of my neighborhood, that's visually different than, than other people, that's going to be something that that one kid can look at and say, wow, she's, she's, she follows God and, and she's not the majority. And um, so for me, that's, that's a big part of it as well. And, and being able to be in kids' lives, um, especially those who don't have a mother or father figure in their life that follows Christ in the same way. Yeah. So I really have a passion for that. What do you think is something that churches can do and should be doing to reach ethnic minorities, teenagers, families more? Because I, like I look around um, and, you know, people would look at, at middle Tennessee and you've, you've been here for a period Mm -hmm. of time now. And like, I would, I've been here nine years and I would say that the communities in and around are thankfully becoming much more diverse in every way. And, and I think churches who don't notice that and don't structure and, and think and act in a way that reaches ethnic minorities, that those churches are going to lose touch with their communities very, very quickly. Uh, And oftentimes student ministry can be kind of that beginning bridge. Student ministry and children's ministry can be a beginning bridge to reach a family. So you've led student ministry Mm -hmm. uh, in those situations. And I, I would love to hear from you some things on, hey, here's how some student ministries can really minister to and reach people in their communities from ethnic minorities. Yeah. Like I have a, I have a big passion for this and, and I think cross-cultural training is really needed in the church. Um, But one of the things that I think about is just like that for ethnic minorities, for many of them, they kind of lean towards Eastern cultural values, which really Mm -hmm. means that there's certain aspects of or characteristics that are really highly valued. Like one of them is respect Mm -hmm. and another one is just a family unit. So as a youth leader, then one of the things is, is it sounds old school, but like visits like face to face and, and, and visiting the parents and saying, we acknowledge you as the parents. Um, 
yeah, we, we, we love your family. We love your kids. Speaking highly of your kids to those parents, like whether they're churched or unchurched, that goes far for ethnic minority parents that's, that can hear, oh, yeah, my, my kid is, is well-liked and, and, and well-perceived of because um, uh, most, most minority, um, ethnic minority families can, are, are shame-based. So they want mm. they want to be well known in the community, and and if they're not churched as well, like that that the church or the youth group is helping, you know. Although you know Christ is the center as always, part of that is that discipleship process and transformation. And as they see their kid becoming, um, or their teen, their student becoming more a, a a better child, a better student, a better person in the community, that that goes a long way too. But yeah, going back to that face-to-face and and in a respectful way, you can't come to them the same way you would come to a student, like with high energy. Uh, a lot of a lot of families are more like low energy or, you know, speaking in a respectful way is key. I think that is so important. And that, you know, we talk a lot, Nathan, about parent ministry and the importance of that. And I love the respect part of culture and how visiting with people face-to-face, mm-hmm. recognizing the parent as the parent or parents as the leader of the home can really begin to set the right tone for how a church can minister specifically to these families. Um, yeah, I love that because it really reinforces mm-hmm. a lot of the principles that uh, student ministries are, are saying that they are about anyway. Uh, and I think that in our day and time, we have lost a lot of the face to face, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a phone call, it's a text, it's an email. We've lost a lot of the face to face and the need for it. And I think this only reinforces that those things are still incredibly valuable and we could potentially even, be missing opportunities to minister and to pastor people mm-hmm. when we don't take the step of a face-to-face visit. Also, it's also because that trust is so important, um, especially more for those who might be not unsure of the church, um, unsure of pastors and leaders, uh, to build that trust and relationship, even taking them out to eat or, or um uh, receiving, accepting an invitation to eat at their house as well. Because some, like I used to work in a youth ministry where like, even though, even though the parents were Christian, if the kids didn't finish their homework or didn't do the, how, how they discipline was you, you can't go to tr- youth group if you, <laughs> if, if you do something wrong. And once you've um, kind of persuaded them that youth group is actually beneficial for, for their kids um, and a great way to, you know, for their kids, or a great place for their kids to be, uh, we turn that around a lot more. And and when they're doing bad, or or if they're being disciplined, then it's more of you're going to church. <laughs> you need you need youth group. Um, so that was a problem back in the day. But um, yeah, um, the more our our youth group is diverse as well, the more our students get a glimpse of you know the kingdom of heaven and get to see yeah. what God is doing um, in their neighborhoods, but also in the world. What's some advice that you would give? Uh, I mean, and I'm going to ask this question in two ways because uh, we do have student ministry leaders who are parents like yourself, who are volunteering that listen to the podcast. And we also have student pastors that listen to the podcast. And so sure. 
I want to ask you the same question, but directed towards two different audiences. And the question is, what advice would you offer? And so the first group of people that I'd like you to address in that is advice that you would offer other volunteers as they begin, or maybe they're a longtime student ministry volunteer. Uh, what advice would you offer them in beginning this year serving in student ministry? That's a good question. I would, I would offer the advice of enjoy the process. First of all, um, don't think of it as a task. Like I, I love teens. I love kids. They're crazy, but they're fun and they keep you young. Um, enjoy the journey that God's developing in you first and foremost, in the way that he grows your leadership skills, your service skills, and your character as you d- dive into scripture to teach your kids. Um, continue to the, um, be discipled as you're discipling others. Um, that's the only way you can you can do a good job if you're being discipled. If you're not, then then it's time to reevaluate um, and use your gifts and talents. Um, let this the the youth pastor know where where the areas of of your passion are. Whether it's art, music, you don't have to be the the leader of a group or the greeter. Um, there's always ways that you can. Uh, participate. And sometimes the youth pastors aren't asking because more so because they've got a lot of other things on their plate and they don't know what you're wanting to offer. So if there's something you want to offer up, um, go ahead and give that to the youth pastor. And he may say yes, he may say no, but at least you've, you've put that on the table and said, hey, here are other ways I can serve you. Here are the gifts and talents that I have that I really enjoy, that I can uh, glorify God in the youth ministry with. So those are the two things or, or some of the things that I would offer to those embarking on volunteering with the student ministry. Great. What about the second audience to student pastors who are bringing and I'll get a little bit more specific with this one with student pastors who are bringing new volunteers into the fold, so to speak this, this year, what advice would you give them as they look? You, Cause every student pastor, when they bring new volunteers in, they hope that those volunteers stay for a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice would you give to them as they begin those relationships? I think again, get to know your people, get to know them. Well, I mean, it's, I know it's hard already to, manage a whole youth ministry. And some of you have really large ministries. Um, so there might be some delegation needing uh, needed there, but um, some of you have manageable youth ministries and realize that the people, the volunteers that you're getting are, are not only your volunteers, but also people you can disciple as mm. those who are discipling others. You're, you're multiplying um, disciples through these parents. Uh, get to know them, get get to know their talents and gifts. And, and on the flip side of what I said earlier, sometimes people aren't wanting to offer because they don't know what you need. And so if you need more worship people, if you need more art people or video people, you've got to know your volunteers and what their gifts and their talents are to be able to ask them, hey, would you like to do this? And most of the time, they would be glad to if it's something that's part of their hobby or part of their their repertoire or skill set. And the other thing you that is a benefit from that is that kids get to see adults using their ki- their passions and their gifts for the ministry. And so they can see mom's using her photography hobby at church or dad's using his fa- finance skills here. So it's a model for them to see how they can use 
their gifts and talents for ministry as well. I love that so much. Well, E, I think this has been such a beneficial episode for student pastors and student ministry leaders who listen to this. And I'm so thankful that you would be willing to join the podcast today. So thank you uh, so much for doing that. And I wish you well in this year as you jump in and begin serving. (laughs) Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I'll I'll need all the help I can get. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hang right there, everybody. We're going to pause for this short word and producer Nathan and I will be right back. Hey, everybody wanted to take a quick second to tell you about an upcoming event from LifeWay students. It is all free. It is all online, but there's a difference. This is not just going to be a conference. This is going to be a conversation called launch. All right. You can find out more at studentministry.lifeway.com slash launch 2021 studentministry.lifeway.com slash launch 2021. Our focus that day is going to be on the health of you, the student pastor. We would love to have you a part of that conversation. We have ministry leaders from around the country, as well as mental health experts that are speaking into the health that we need to continue going as people who are called by God and as people who are loved by God. So I hope that you join us for launch 2021. It is on August 19th. So head over to studentministry.lifeway.com slash launch 2021 to find out more. Well, Nathan, we've just wrapped up a great, another great conversation. Yes, and I would love to hear where, uh, where your mind went as E was talking about her journey, jumping into student ministry as a volunteer. It's such a great perspective too, that she has. And mm-hmm. I want to keep saying this, like, She's led student ministry in churches and she's got, she's got the parent perspective and now the volunteers perspective. So she's, she's got the trifecta here. So what stood out to you in our conversation? Yeah. A couple of things really stood out to me. One of those being whenever she was talking about the training aspect and it got my mind kind of racing, but she was talking about like a training that she went to do with like suicide prevention, but that was from like the local police department. And I was thinking, man, how often do we not utilize professionals out there that could help us out. And I was like, man, I never once paid for my people to simply go to the Red Cross for four hours and get first aid training. Like, I guess I just always assumed maybe I'll have a nurse around or like something good will happen, but that's kind of ignorant, I think, you know? And so I was like, man, that kind of training, that seems to make a lot of sense. Like how can we just simply put some budget money aside to do those simple kind of things to help, you know, protect our people. And I think it also shows parents like, you know, we really do take this, this seriously. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And there are, you know, like she just decided to sign up and do that on her own to Mm -hmm. find out what programs are available from the city and to engage in those. And I, that's one of the things I wrote down too, because like, it's not something I did either. And I think it's, it's available and it's out there. One of the things that stood out to me is instead of saying, Hey, this person teaches this class for the police department, for our community. Let's get them to come inside the church and do it. Mm -hmm. I actually love the aspect of saying, Hey, church people, we're going to go into the community into something that the community is offering. And we're going to do it there because that's another touch point for us to be in the community rather than always just bringing stuff inside of our churches. Yeah. And so, man, I thought her doing that, I mean, Kudos to her bonus points for her in taking the initiative Mm -hmm. there. 
But that's something that student pastors all over the place can say, okay, this, these are the programs that are offered by our communities and they will help people lead in student ministry. That also kind of got me thinking, there's something else that she said, and she mentioned it kind of twice, once sort of there in that training piece. And then the other time, whenever she was just talking about like what it looks like to, to reach out to some ethnic minorities, and it really got my mind racing of she, how she was talking about understand them. I think so often we typically are like, all right, this is our student ministry. This is our vision. Everybody needs to come in and fit inside of this. And man, I think that's just that's not really a reflection of the kingdom of God. And I think whenever she was talking about that and just simply saying, you know, like go meet with them, realizing that, you know, when this family offers you dinner, like it means so much more than what we maybe in an American family, just be like, Hey, you want to go grab a bite to eat, you know, kind of a deal. But that's a huge thing. Like just really understanding culture and, or helping us like really reach out to those parents um, in, in those different kind of cultures, I think could go a long way of us just opening up our minds and stop saying like, Oh, we need everybody to fit into this model, this context, and really just kind of being broad and open about, about that. Yeah. I agree with you. The, her points on how to reach uh, ethnic minority people in our communities stood out to me as well. Just the respect culture and starting with the parents and how essential that is, especially in the face to face. And we talked about it a lot and followed up with it in the podcast. So I don't, I don't want to say just reiterate the same things that I said then, but a face-to-face conversation still matters mm-hmm. and it matters deeply, not only to ethnic minority populations that seem to value that more. It matters uh, in situations where, like for me, as a, a white person in what has been a predominantly white community that is thankfully changing, those face-to-face encounters still matter. And if we're going to say mm-hmm. that ministry is about relationships, then we're going to do what we can to have those face-to-face respectful introductory relationships with people. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next week.